Hello and welcome back to another edition of Editing Aloud. And what a week it's been. Uh, Zimbabwe has got a new leader, or is about to get a new leader. Um, the race for the leadership of the ANC in this country is hotting up, as Ray Hartley will tell us all about it in a minute. But, but panel, um, who expected the Zimbabwe thing to, 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 to begin and end um, Rondabi as quickly as it did? <coughs> no one did. No, no, I mean, especially after Sunday when he yeah. came out, it was, it was quite an awesome speech the way he put it to us. And it basically said, uh, no one at all expected at all that this to happen at all. So it was quite a surprise to me yesterday how it fell out. Yeah. But, but would it have been a surprise to Zimbabweans, I wonder? I mean, uh, the, these, the, the huge demonstrations and on, on the Saturday, and obviously after he resigned um, uh, f formally on Tuesday, um, uh, we know that that's pent up stuff, but was it o was it organised or was it simply, you know, just the this people running out of their houses and expressing joy? What do you think? Have, you, have anybody seen anything like this? Well, I mean, I mean, one one of the peculiar things that that occurred was that these demonstrations were permitted by the security forces, yeah. um, which in itself is strange, you know. Um, so it tells you the kind of grip that these security forces actually have and probably continue to have yeah. on that society. But, but I think it was a foregone conclusion by then that he would have to go because the process had been mapped out to him. You quit or you will be impeached. And he called a what cabinet meeting. What did they get to impeach him for? What had he, what had he done? As as well. In fact, the con I thought it was more complicated than that. But in fact, they could, they, the, as I understood the sort of legislative positions, he could be impeached for not governing properly. And uh, they were going so to... So it could be that vague. From, yeah, from what I can yeah. make out, they were going to basically say he's old and nuts and not capable of governing properly. But it's Sani who impeached him, right? Yes. So essentially they're recalling mm. their president. Mm. And so we're we going to install... They recall him already. Yeah, exactly. They him already and then he would go with that extraordinary speech mm. um, in that front was. of the cameras where he switched, the, where he switched the, the papers and, and it does I, I suppose I watch all this stuff and it's very exciting but I also fear for Zimbabweans because it is so exciting and yet the, the, the people who've sort of liberated them if you like, um, masterminded by Mr. Mnangagwa yeah. um, and the army um, are not presumably to be trusted because these are people with a pretty authoritarian Past, so it did need the military to open the lid, to lift the lid, if you like. But we have to see going forwards whether democracy is what sure. we get. I mean, does Emerson Nangagwa now appreciate, having seen the sort of outpouring of joy, what he has, um, what he has on his hands, and how big his opportunity is, or does he just revert to type and become, um, you know, just a younger version of, of Robert Mugabe? What does he do? I mean, I, th I think it all hinges on whether he can get an economic solution of some kind on the table. And that economic right. solution has to be a bailout of sorts. They have to get some kind of international bailout, whether from the Chinese or, or the BRICS Development Bank or the IMF. They, they need a billion dollars IMF, like now. seven billion or something. So well, I'm sure the IMF will come in there and say all your that. SOEs and so on need to be sold. So there will be something of that. But I was think. Uh, Mugabe is, uh, I think, the end of Mugabe, actually the end of ZANU-PF. I think people are, ZANU-PF, those that remain, are kind of fooling themselves to thinking, no, we'll carry on without yeah. Mugabe. I think he's become, he is ZANU-PF. So I think even the uh, Emerson who comes in now, he must get a point, but I don't think ZANU-PF will survive beyond the next election. And so, so politically, I, I agree with Hillary, I'm pretty 
worried about what will happen to Zimbabwe without yeah, him at the helm. I think, I think what could counter it is that the economic opportunity is enormous and probably everyone will be telling them that because one forgets that in the early days of, of Mugabe's rule, the economy like really took off and exports took off and Zim, Zim really was doing well and now it's even better positioned. This for South Africa next door is not a hugely attractive mm -hmm. destination. It's just got to get a few things right. Um, they're big things to get right and, and you will get foreign investment and you will it's quite I mean the IMF but with 90 percent so you could yeah. get unemployment down from 97 percent to say 57 percent but you still got the biggest unemployment problem mm. in the world yeah I mean you have an agricultural sector that's completely melted down the manufacturing yeah. industry is 25 percent smaller than it was in 2000 the public debt and, is and extraordinary the, the, the other thing is that the world has moved on yeah. I mean we got you know Zimbabwe used to be the jewel of Africa or bread basket mm. of Africa whatever it might be but it's even if it even if you've got all the farmers working again Africa's moved on. The world mm. has moved on. It's a different it's kind totally of place, you know. I was saying someone before, where in 2000 there was no Facebook, there was no, now no, this iPhone, the whole world had, like yeah. the fourth industrial revolution hasn't had taken place. Now farming is automated. So even if yeah. farming, like tomorrow, uh, Zimbabwe is flowing. And the fourth industrial revolution is almost over. It's almost <laughs> over, too. So in terms of the fourth and the fourth. automation, yeah. farms won't employ as many people as they probably did in the 90s, the 80s, and so on. So that quick fix, so even yeah, but I think catching up that's not the only yeah. factor though in mm. agriculture mm. because the you know it is a, an incredible place to farm, mm. just from the point of view of productivity per hectare before mm. you even start introducing technology. Mm. So they've got, and I think the huge advantages that they have: a young population, highly educated population. And an incredibly hard-working ethos in that population is a... So is a our, our risk as South Africa is that they all go back again. Actually, that's what, what we do. What do we do? Who is going to... Uh, really, we very heavily depend, on, I think, on Zimbabwe and skill. Help our unemployment rate, you know, so reduce <laughs> But also, I mean, you have this whole generation of people that have gone out into the world and earned oh. mm. themselves a whole bunch of skills that might, some of them, return. Yeah. But we spoke to we spoke to quite a few investors about whether they would go back to Zim now yeah. um, with with Mugabe gone, and I think most of them said no, they're not going to <laughs> until until there's a real sign of a proper political system in place. So what you need is that you need to see a proper election take place, exactly. people behaving properly, no repression of people, particularly in rural areas, because I think the cities or the towns in Zimbabwe have proven themselves to be sort of you know hotbeds of of happiness in a way about Mugabe game, but I mean you, you don't get any insight into what's happening in, the, you know, in, in, in rural areas. A lot of people try to dr draw parallels between South Africa and Zimbabwe. And I, the, more I, the more I watched the TV and watched things being explained, the more I thought that we are not like them or they're not like us at all. I mean the military is a wing of the party, mm. um, uh, which is how they were able to swing it so, so quickly. So this wasn't, it wasn't really a coup in the, in the t in the traditional sense of the word, it was an intra-party intra um, revolt, rebellion. I mean, a are there parallels? I mean, do we are there any lessons for South Africa in this in this right? Well, I mean, I, th I think there are parallels. I mean, you have an aging despot trying to insert his wife as a successor. Um, you know, the there deputy president is yeah. being sidelined, whose yeah. party's preferred. Yeah, yeah. So you know, there, there are those parallels. And also, I guess. 
from a from ANC point of view, 2000, uh, that swing to ultra populism, to, to stay in power, and uh, that's the type of the ANC we always think with, with Zuma, if it continues, that they're going to shift more to the populist policies. And this is almost like 17 years later, this is what but I mean, there was nothing populist right? about what Mugabe was doing. It was unpopulist, in, in it was certainly unpopular. Um, given the amount of people we saw on the streets. I mean, were there populist policies? I mean, like in 2000, when he went that route mm -hmm. of, of land grabs, that yeah. was a, a ploy to, to yeah. get back into power, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, he lost all popularity. But, but that's the whole thing. The ANC should look at that, like if, if they move to that direction. But you have to answer to it, right? So you move on the populist ticket of taking all the land back, but you still have to feed your people and they economically look after your economy. So this would be an example for the ANC. To look so they have to, hold a, they have to hold an election in Zimbabwe. They're scheduled to hold an election next next next. September. Right, um, Zanapiev surely will will win will win that Hillary. No, I mean, there's not there's not an obvious opposition out there that take to I take. I think it that's away. that's another parallel with South Africa. Yeah. The weakness of the opposition. Um, mm. The other thing that I thought about Zimbabweans, they came to power when they were young. Those guys. I mean, Mugabe was fifty in his fifties mm. when he when he became president. Our guys were much older. Um, you know, the ANC, because it took that much longer to win their liberation mm. war, um, they were much older when they took over. And, and I, I don't know whether that puts, I think it changes, you know, although we have aging despots trying to put their Ys or XYs into, into power. Um, one lot seems to be, I mean, the, 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 um, uh, the old guard in Zanapiev is still in the party. Ours is, the ANC's old guard is out of the party having meetings that nobody goes to. Um, uh, as, a, as stalwarts, you know, making grim-sounding noises. One <laughs> of the parallels which is, is, is a bit disturbing is if you look historically, um, the, the, the economy starts to go south in mm. the, I think it was the 1990s, at, po at which point you start blaming Western powers for this problem. And we've heard hints of it here, actually. Yeah, we've yeah. heard Zuma saying that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the economy stops delivering, and then that's when you turn to the popular solution. So I think it is probably a reminder for us mm. that, that this is a tipping point for us, and that if you go the wrong way, it takes a very long time and a huge amount of damage, an incalculate, yeah. incalculable amount of damage to right. get back. But I do think one of the real differences between us and Zimbabwe is that next year in August, when they have the election, if Mnangagawa doesn't win, there's a sense that the army might insert him anyway or insist he is, he is the leader. Whereas I don't think that's the situation we're in in this country. I don't think we're, I think we're far from that. So I think fundamentally in terms of the strength of our democracy and even though our institutions have been weakened considerably, I still think it's a lot stronger than Zim. So I still think we're in a much, much better position. So I don't think it's, I think the parallel breaks down in that respect. Fundamentally at the bottom of the Do we know what Mugabe's going to do? Is he going to carry on living in Zimbabwe or is he going to come? South or Today's Business Times, Business Day story says he's already left the country and there's talk of Singapore and so on. So that's. Uh, he needs to be Before in close proximity to the doctors that keep him alive. Yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> right, let's just talk quickly about the, um, the ANC uh, leadership race. You've got new numbers that you've done um, well. showing that it's <laughs> very close, um, that Cyril is marginally in the lead. Uh, that's after counting what proportion of branch, how many branches have now voted? Yeah. yeah, I think based on the new branch numbers and then the percentages, some of the percentages are clear. For example, in Popo, we know that 87% yeah. have come out in yeah. favor, so you can do the maths. And, and, and it's incredibly close. I mean, it's a... What do you, have, what do you have at the I moment? I have Ramaphosa at about 2,597. And is Lamini that delegates or branches? Uh, voting delegates. Okay. And Lamini Zuma at 
2,576. So it's a no, it's, it's twenty. It's it's twenty. And that's and there are, there's a lot of guesswork in that. There's a l there are a lot of there are a lot of yeah. people, aren't there? Uh, panel uh, arguing already that Cyril has got this thing and it's all wrapped up and it's in the bag, but it's just not, is it? No, far from it, right? It was, uh, heading to 2007, I was speaking. Uh, we all thought Mbehi was going to win it until. There was a last gust of uh, uh, swirl that told you it's, it's, it's last, right? And Ramaphosa doesn't, I mean, that last push to say, okay, Ramaphosa's winning this thing. I haven't quite got that feeling that he's got it all wrapped up. Although we're all hoping tentatively that he, that he will win it. But there's still this whole thing that Zuma or his candidate is likely to win for now. Hopefully it swings in the last it weeks or so. There's two provinces, yeah. I think, that will make the fundamental difference. KwaZulu-Natal, which goes to court, I think it's next week to decide on that election of the provincial executive that ultimately could determine who gets those votes. And that's crucial, it's the ANC's largest pro province, as well as Mpumalanga, where David Mabuza, the chairperson of Mpumalanga, yeah. might be, of course, Zana Lamini, uh, Zuma's um, deputy, and that, that'll swing Mpumalanga, probably, either way. And, and I still think the biggest risk is whether the conference happens at all, especially if Cyril is in the lead. Yeah. yeah. We'll be back just after this break. Welcome back. Uh, while Zimbabwe has been um, uh, re-liberated or, or, or either re or that or recaptured, um, uh, there's been some fascinating hearings going on in Parliament into state capture at, at ESCOM. And yesterday, uh, late last night, uh, Brian Malefe gave evidence to the committee. He was um, very uh, self-confident. Um, the the, the, the People questioning him, the parliamentarians questioning him, were very aggressive. Uh, it was, it was riveting television. And Sikonati, uh, how do you think he came out of it? I mean, I think he, I think he got himself into more trouble than he got himself out of. But, but uh, there are details about this story that I uh, that I'm lost on. He, he he was between a rock and a harder place. Yeah. Because, whether if he told the truth, he was in even bigger trouble. If he lied, even in bigger trouble, and and he he tried very hard to, to to do both at the same time, and and he was not going to come out smelling of roses uh, after after that. Yeah, not at all. But but what was so interesting was that he seemed to be able to. He wanted to draw a clear difference between himself and the board. In other words, he wasn't at the board meeting. He claims when the late night board meeting when Tiketa was paid. 586 million or 600 million or whatever it was. And so it was just nothing to do with him. Um, uh, and there were a whole lot of instances where, but as the CEO, you're on the board, surely, and it you know what happens at board meetings and you know what positions they And take. it happens because, you said it must happen. It happens because you need that code. It happens because you need that money. And uh, now for him, it happens, he, he may not physically be at the board, but uh, Tulima Donzela showed us 58 calls, which he did not deny. And he said, at the time we were not at the board meeting, you were at the Shippin at Saxon World House. You were on the phone with those guys. Uh, you were discussing exactly what, uh, wh what he the board very, But he very snarkily, I thought, quite arrogantly s said, these calls, this, you know, these, these calls as, as they are uh, reported in Tuli Madonsela's report mean nothing. There's no times and there's no dates. Um, uh, and I, my information is that, you know, that's required for, for, for a fact to exist. 
that, that's nonsense. He's not denying the, ex the existence of the calls. Yeah. He's never denied it. I asked him on 16 November 2016. I asked him two days later. And uh, he, he's, uh, he's always said, I, I will talk about those calls when the time is right. Uh, the time is now right. He, he again he's not talks. talking about He's it. not talking about it. No. What he cannot deny is that he did make those calls. In fact, he questioned how did Tulima Tunzela get my, my, my phone records? Yeah. Now, that's, that's far from saying I did not make those calls. That's also far from saying I did not go to, to the Shibin, uh, yeah. to, 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 to the compound, the Gupta compound. He, he, he in fact said I was uh, two streets away from them. There's a, there's a, there's a Shibin there. Yeah. And he couldn't give me the address of the Shibin. And he, could, he couldn't find any other place to, to uh, an alibi to say I was not at the compound, but I was at... I asked for the address. He didn't give it to me. What were you discussing on those phones? He said, uh, when I've got the opportunity uh, in a legal uh, framework, I will respond. Well, he had a lawyer question. sitting next to him, and they did all that sort of American thing where you put your hand over the market and have a quiet conversation with your legal advisor as you're testifying. Um, uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was riveting stuff. I've never, um, uh, I've never seen that in, in, in the South African parliament. Um, at one stage, he was asked, about the money that was paid after this late night meeting um, and uh, there's a big question about whether it went to together or whether it went to pay for optimum and basically his answer was i don't care where it went we were as far as i was concerned we're paying for coal if i buy a volkswagen from if i buy a car from volkswagen i don't ask them what they Peter, do with the money afterwards i am which is an incredibly arrogant someone executed a big fraud on the people of south africa there i've got a board resolution that says let's help uh, 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 Optimum with a prepayment. At the same time, I've got a guarantee that goes to APSA that says the board of ESCOM has agreed to, uh, to give this guarantee to Tegeta. Even though it was never given, but they'd agreed the to give it? Absolutely yeah. not. The, the, and there was, was he at those board meetings? He was not at that particular board meeting. Yeah. This is the one he says he was not. Yeah. But on the same day, there are the phone calls uh, with him yeah. and, the, uh, and the brothers. Yeah. And at the same day, uh, PM Aston and, uh, had met Anoj Singh. And at the same day, Anoj Singh had been sitting with Salim Essa. Now, who signs, who signs the, the, the guarantee yeah. to the bank? It's the chairman of ESCOM. It's the chief executive of ESCOM. It's the chief financial officer of ESCOM. Well, the chief financial officer of ESCOM at the time, Anoj Singh, um, um, uh, is, in, is in some, he's got a heavy burden to come because of every second question that Brian Malefu has asked, he said, well, ask the chief financial <laughs> officer when he comes to testify. It was, uh, it, you know, it even was very funny. Uh, uh, almost more extraordinary has been the, the former chairman, Zola Sotsi's evidence. Well, he's, he's testifying today, he's right? Te so yes, and, and I think the really important thing is that he, it's, this is one of the first times, if not the first time, that we've had a real link from state capture straight back to President Zuma. Because if you think about all what of Gupta the, link? Li the, the link is that 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 he Zolotsotsi has testified that he was called in to Zuma's house where he met Tudu Mayeni, the chairperson of SAA, not the chairperson, or not anyone with any authority at Eskom as far as we know, who um, and 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 Ms. Mayeni and uh, Zuma together instructed him to suspend the executives who were who were subsequently suspended. This is Chidi Somatona and no, no, this is Zolotsotsi, the former no, chairman. No, no, no. no, 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 no to me it's, it's, it's yeah. incredibly significant in in so many of the Gupta leaks in fact in all the Gupta leaks mm -hmm. we haven't had Zuma's name appearing anywhere this is the first time or one of the first times that we have se seen the president himself actually appear yeah. in the saga in on the record 
Was, was Ron, would, would, would Dura Mayeni have just been there uh, by chance? I mean, what would she? No, no, what she role would she yes, have in telling Zola Tsotsi what to do? No, in terms of uh, the SOEs, she's almost like the, the one, the, the lynchman, uh, regardless whether it's SA, SCOM. Mm -hmm. So this is perfectly how he operates, right? right. And it's always the way he, uh, the stories I've heard about how the president works, he gets someone else to give you the instruction. Sure. And he comes afterwards and asks, okay, so are we... Are we okay? That's what he does, yeah. right? That's so this is exactly how to do work here. Yeah, this is how, when it comes to energy as well, his energy advisor, I mean, there was a meeting that the energy, energy advisor had with Pravin Godan about nuclear. It was the same conversation where the energy advisor told Pravin to deal with uh, the Russians. This is Zima. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, and then only after Zuma comes in and says, hey, have you guys chatted? Okay, that's exactly, so this story about Dutu is typically how the president works, actually. This is how <laughs> the modus operandi of our number one. Has that's been. exactly <laughs> what he did on that day. So that's what he told me two meetings mm. in Feb. Yeah. I met him twice. This February. This yeah. Feb 2017 yeah. when I was writing the Denton yeah. story. Yeah. He, he at that point was very nervous and, and, and he, he kept looking over his shoulder. We were sitting at a hotel somewhere in yeah. Johannesburg and he refused to he refused to be quoted. He said you can't quote me but this is exactly what happened. And uh, Jacob Zuma 15 minutes later strolled into the mm. room and said Mfanagit, uh, you, you get the did you get the instruction? You, now you understand yeah. exactly what to do. Thank you. Off you may go. Off he went to Johannesburg. Uh, he, he then said, Jacob Zuma is so sneaky, he's so clever. He does not talk on the phone. Never. He will yeah. just uh, summon yeah. you. And when you get there, he exactly what Ron has just yeah. described. This is how he works. That's, that's how he works. Zoratozi, I'm glad he's now found his voice. He said exactly those things twice to me in Feb when, when I met him. But on both occasions, he refused to be quoted on the record, and that's why I never wrote it because there was nobody else to help me with that information. And and so, what does what does this revelation mean for politically, for for Zuma? It's the first time he emerges mm. as a as a central player in 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 state capture. The removal of that of that executive team. There were f there were four people. Yeah. Only one came back. That was that was Coco. Um, uh, if if we now know that Zoom is that implicated in it, what 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 is the political consequence of that? I think the consequence is after December, like if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't win the thing. But so there's only there might be a, a price to play for him. But if December goes well, I don't think there's any consequence, right? There's a sad thing about this country right mm -hmm. now, but it's almost established that he's a key player in state capture. Everyone kind of gets yeah. that idea. Even right, like does he this doesn't. Does this does I mean. As we approach as we approach the December conference, do the little things still matter? I mean, does it matter, you know, that Zuma has seemed to have been sort of caught napping on Zimbabwe? Does it matter that his name now comes up um, directly from a former chief executive of es of a former chairman of ESCOM, who he had a hand in, in employing in the first place, now says that he was given instructions by Zuma to find people? Does that count still? I mean, is it? Yeah, I, I, I think that. I mean, do the books matter? Does you know that are coming yeah. out? The Jacques Poe's thing, whatever it might be, do, are they? They're little things. And 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 yeah. your very good book, by <laughs> the way. Somebody <laughs> hold it up. Right? You didn't bring me a copy. Uh, Ron's got a copy. Here we go. There we go. Um, okay. Of of yeah. Ray Hartley's I, I new book. I think they do matter, um, but less and less because mm. you, the branch finalization of the branch decisions about their candidates is taking place now. Yeah. They've just been extended for a brief period, but that'll be over. So the branches will mandate people who to vote for, and that's done, and anything could happen between then. The only thing that would change the voting would be 
any inducements that branch members might get at the conference itself, which right. is strongly rumored to be what takes really? place. So somebody comes up along with a bag of cash and says, look, you know, I, I know your branch voted for Cyril, but he has 10,000 rand. The way, the way it's... That's, uh, you know, uh, That's, uh, That's what happened in 2007. Quite well, what does it cost to, to get somebody to change their vote? And how do you know they've changed their vote well, anyway? Why don't you just take the money and vote the way you want it to? I was discussing this with a colleague upstairs yeah. who has a lot more insight into yeah. this than I do. Yeah. And she said that, um, you know, there, there's a down payment. You don't get the full amount. Oh, right. You get a down payment, yeah. a taste, and then if it turns out that your candidate wins, yeah. you get the rest. Okay. So you actually have to go along with it. Yeah. And Hillary, th the other thing that may matter, that may count depending, you know, for, 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 for December, is uh, happens this Friday when both St Standard & Poor's S&P and Moody's re-rate us. And after the medium-term budget policy statement uh, in October, which is pretty dire, um, what chances do we have of escaping a downgrade? Zero. Zero. The only question, there are only two real questions. The first is that S&P is considered definitely uh, going to go. They've already downgraded our foreign currency rating to junk. They'll go with the local currency too. And, and that is pretty evident just in what they've said, uh, had said before yeah. the budget even. Um, and it's not just the budget, it's also the president's effort to intervene with the free fees and Michael Sachs' departure and all of that. Put altogether undermines the one strength that we had, one of the strengths we had. Um, the question is, one question is, does Moody's go now or do they go in a month or two? Because Moody's has a tendency to move very slowly and they have this putting people on watch, which they've done to yeah. us before, which yeah. would then give them a month or two to make up their minds. Uh, but uh, I, I but think it is pretty much inevitable that our local currency ratings by both agencies mm. will be junked sooner rather than later. And just what are the, the implications? That's the, quest, the other the question. Uh, the then, then there's a certain amount of money that they simply can't, can no longer be invested here, right? Indeed, yeah. And the how much is that? That is estimated at being anything from 80 billion to 130 or 140 billion rand. Okay. Now that is the, um, South Africa is in the, the, the Wigby index, the global Wigby index. Yeah. Um, it's local currency bonds, it's rand denominated bonds. Yeah. And there are a large number of uh, foreign investors who track that right. index, the Wigby. If South Africa's booted out, they leave. The question is, to what extent have... Has and is there a large sort of sucking sound as the money leaves or does it leave slowly? I mean, if it's you bought bonds... It leaves quickly, but who? But there are other people who could buy them, okay. other foreign investors, more risky... Yeah. More, more risk... Um, doesn't it take like three months to be kicked out? Yeah. Isn't it yes, it's a three-month process. Months, so it yeah. isn't... So the, 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 the harder, longer immediate. they fall, the more attractive the yield yes. is. So yeah, you the yield so you And look, th that's what we don't know. That's the real question is, how much has the market already priced in? How many of how much of the capital has already flowed out. So okay. that we'll have to see. All right. Well, it never stops. Uh, beware Friday. Um, and uh, we'll see you next week. And we'll f we'll by that stage, we'll know.